Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to see all of you today at Encounter Church. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at our church, and I see a few first-time guests. I want to say welcome. Thank you for coming today, for joining us. I hope that this is an experience for you that you enjoy and uh, that you leave today feeling challenged and inspired. Um, We're just glad that you are here. And uh, so please don't leave after service uh, without saying hello to me. And and if you are an Encounter Church person or family member here, please seek out our new guests and make them feel welcome today. Um, I'm super excited about what God is doing at our church right now. Uh, This month, 2017, has begun, and we're a few weeks in. It's weird because today's only the 15th of January, but it feels like January and like we're well into the month. And every time I look at the calendar, we actually see that we're pretty, really still really early, even into the month. And we have been going through this theme through the entire month called Fueled for the Future. Anyone who's seen me on Facebook or our church, we use this hashtag, Fueled for the Future, and we're connecting all of our stories of what God has been doing in our lives uh, this month through that hashtag. And we're in the season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, as uh, Heather and Chris just mentioned a minute ago. Well, this week begins a really big kind of closing portion to our 21 days of prayer. We just came through an excellent week where we had a three days of fasting, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. There were three nights uh, services at Allison Park Church with some really practical teaching about the Holy Spirit um, at Allison Park Church. It was incredible. And then yesterday, 10 people from our church went to the Book of Acts training camp uh, at Allison Park Church. And it was an incredible day of training, uh, learning how the Book of Acts can come alive in our lives today. It was wonderful. But this week... I'm particularly excited, and I want to invite everyone to join in what we're doing. On Wednesday this week, we'll begin our seven-day fast. Seven-day fast. This is a lot, and it's, uh, it may be something that might even seem overwhelming to some of you. Perhaps you've never done anything like this before. Um, every January, we begin with a season of prayer and fasting, and it's because we want to say to God, okay, God, I want to start this year off right. I want to start this year off right. And fasting is an ancient Christian tradition of where we deny ourselves primarily of food usually, but there are other things you can fast instead. But you deny yourself of food for a particular period of time. And during that time, you channel your feeling towards that, towards God. So when I'm hungry or I'm getting cranky or grumpy or when I'm aware of the fact of how hungry I am, it, I use that moment to remember why I'm doing it and then I channel that into a place of where I want to meditate on the Lord. I take that in time of prayer, extra time reading God's word, maybe going for a walk or a drive. And even if I'm at work and I'm doing something and I feel that way, I just say a prayer, you know? That's the point. It's not a magical formula. What it does is it gets us into the presence of God. And when we get ourselves into the presence of God, God's word declares that change happens in our lives. Breakthrough takes place when we are in the presence of God. So this week, beginning on Wednesday, we will begin our seven days of fasting. And I encourage everyone in the room to to participate. I would love for you to participate. And if you've never done this before, all I would say to you is just try. Just try. Ask the Lord, God, what would you have me do? For some of you, he might say, you know what, you've fasted before and I'm calling you to a liquid fast like I'm doing. For some of you, he might say, you've never fasted before. Just pick one meal, lunch, or dinner, I don't know, whatever. I'm just saying, listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he tells you to do. And I promise you that as you take that time with the Lord, you will find yourself growing in your faith. It's wonderful. And then we will close that night, that final seven days on Tuesday, the 24th, as Heather just mentioned a minute ago. I won't get into all the details. We're going to come together to close the fast together as a church body and present ourselves before the Lord and say, God, here we are. What will you say to us for this year? It's going to be an incredible night. And then afterwards, some of us are going to go out and break our fast together. You're welcome to join us. We encourage you to join us for that. Okay. So I am super thrilled about uh, this, this message that I have today. Um, we are in the middle of our fueled message series, which is, which is all about the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere. It's all throughout the Old Testament. It's all throughout the New Testament. And so we have been taking time this month to learn about who, the, who is this person that the Holy Spirit is. And we believe in, in a Trinity God, uh, the God the Father. Everybody in here goes, no, we know who God the Father is. We pray to him. He is God the Father. And he sent his Son... Right? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, 
to, to reconcile us and ransom us so that we may have a connection and a relationship with God. And then it says that when Jesus went up to heaven, when he ascended to heaven, he sent God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to incarnate and live inside of each one of us so that we would be able to experience the power and the presence of God everywhere we go at every time and that it's not just in one place and that it allows us to be able to bring that life and that hope to the rest of the world. But what we see in Scripture is that it's everywhere, but that in church, most of the time, we don't talk about it. The Holy Spirit is a thing that, it, that is uh, some, something that we don't, we, that many of us feel uncomfortable even bringing up. We have had lots of experiences with, uh, with churches or with people. And when we hear the words Holy Spirit, particularly things like the baptism in the Holy Spirit or things that are associated with it, like some of the gifts of the Spirit that the Bible talks about, we find ourselves feeling uncomfortable. Sometimes we come to church and we bring, um, we bring that, kind of, that, that kind of uncomfortable environment that we've experienced and bring it with us. And it can cause us to read God's word with a bias. It can cause us to be closed off. And what I would, my prayer today is this. My prayer today is as we begin to explore the supernatural side of the Holy Spirit, that we would take God's word for its face value that we would read the scriptures from a place of what it says, not what we think, myself included. That we, would, that we would not take what we saw at another church or what we saw from another person or what we saw on television, but that instead we would read God's word and then we would say, God, what does this mean for me today? And we have begun the process of going through this last two weeks. We talked about in the first week, Holy Spirit 101. Who is he? What is he here for? And we learned that the Holy Spirit has been sent to be fuel for our spiritual engines. It was the ignition. It is the thing. The Holy Spirit is the thing that connects our soul, revives us, and brings us back to a relationship with Jesus. It powers everything in our life, in our spiritual lives. Last week, we took it a step further, and we said that we have to live by the Spirit. We have to choose the Spirit in our life, the Spirit's leading, and that Spirit takes us to a place of producing healthy fruit. And we learned about this, the fruit of the Spirit. You know when a person is operating in, in, in a mature place in the Spirit of God living inside of them when you see the fruits of the Spirit evidenced in their life. And this is going to be important to understand later when I tell you my story. But today, I want to dive into this area that, that for many of us is an area that we see written throughout Scripture, but that we we'd usually just skip over those chapters or those pages for whatever reason. And wherever you find yourself to be today, I want you to know it's okay where you're at. You are okay. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation. But what I feel like God has been saying to me over the last few years, and I'm going to tell you my story in a few moments, and what I feel like God is saying to, to all of us today is, will you hear what I would say to you today? Because I love you where you are, and even if you make no difference in your life or change in the way that you see things or, or move, that I love you that much, that it's okay. But I have more for you, and I want you to see it. Would you open your heart to that today? So what we're going to do today is this. There's two parts to this message. The first is we're going to examine Scripture. And I hope you know by now, if maybe you've been coming for a long time, but if this is your first time or you haven't been coming very long, I want you to know that God's word is the foundation of everything in this church. Every time we preach anything on any topic, it's always backed up by the word of God. There is no opinion otherwise. And so we're going to examine scripture today. I have five scriptures we're going to look at, and we're going to just, I'm not even going to say much about them. We're just going to let God's word speak for itself for the most part. And then I'm going to tell my story. My story spans a wide spectrum, and I, as I was preparing this week, I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. I felt like he said, I just want you to tell your story, because I think that because there are so many different people in the room today who span a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences, I feel like maybe God wants me to share my story because my journey in this topic, I think, will identify with a variety of, of spaces in life. And I want the result to be this today. I want to hear from God about his intention for scripture, for what he would say to us about the Holy Spirit and begin to understand how it applies to us in our lives and our bodies. Before we begin, I want to go with some, a couple underlying assumptions. 
There are a few things that I feel like is important for us to say. These are the things that we're kind of launching from today, okay? And here's the first one, is that God is outside of our time and space. God is a supernatural God. We hear the word supernatural and we get, we like, you know, like we, our stomach kind of squeezes and we feel uncomfortable. But the very nature of the word supernatural, super means above, beyond, outside of, natural. What you see around here, this table, my hands, this lamp, the room, the chair you're sitting in, all of that is the natural. God is beyond it. He's outside of our time. He's outside of our space. Thus, he is supernatural. Now, the second thing I would say, an assumption we would make here, is that due to that, that his ways and his direct interactions with us involve the supernatural. It only makes sense that when a supernatural God directly with his own hand, with his own spirit, will involve himself directly, that a supernatural entity will involve himself in a supernatural way. Does that make sense? You guys hear what I'm saying here? Okay. Number three, God is good. God loves his children. He wants good things for us and he gives good gifts. We see that all throughout scripture, that God is a good father. We even sing it on Sundays over and over and over again. He's a good, good father. It's who you are, right? You guys know that song? Every one of you can quote it backwards and front, right? Yeah, especially on Father's Day, so I heard. (laughs) Anyway, but God is good. He loves us and he wants to give us good gifts. And we see that throughout scripture and the Holy Spirit is part of that. We'll see that later. Number four, God also loves the world so much that he would do everything anything short of sin to save it. And we see that John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, the divine nature. He, can you imagine what that would be like? Like the, 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 the magnitude of the fact that our God came to heaven to put himself in a fleshly body. Like he loved us that much to allow himself to be embarrassed on a cross and be crucified willingly. He will go and will stop at no end short of a sinful behavior to save people. And number five, the Bible is the ultimate authority. I want you to know that. And I think it's important for some of you to know, hear me say in this room, that no matter what is said anywhere else, every single time it must be measured against the word of God. Every time. And this is the problem that happens in Pentecostal uh, churches or in charismatic types of places where some of you, uh, or even myself, you'll hear my story, have, have come across and you feel frustrated because you see people operate in what they say is from God and then their word or their behavior or their actions are against what God's word teaches. That is unbiblical and that is not from God. And it is important for us to understand that the Bible is the ultimate authority. So, From that place, we will begin examining scripture today. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit. Thank you that the spirit of you lives inside of us. And I pray now that you would speak, that you would not, uh, that you would not be hindered by myself, but that you would say what you want to say today in Jesus's name. Amen. All right. So let's first look at the words of Jesus about, about the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is Jesus talking. Just before he ascended to heaven, he was telling his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we see right away Jesus' words literally are, wait for the Holy Spirit because it will come upon you and there will be power to bring my message to the world. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the fulfillment of Jesus' words. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind, like, like I heard it yesterday, like an airplane was going by, this rushing wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The imagery here that we see is is of the temple, the power of God moving from that place and coming to rest on every person. Because now the Bible tells us that every single one of us are the temple of God. So we have the Spirit of God living within us. So we see that Jesus said, wait for it. It will come upon you. You will have power for witness. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, it happens to these guys. And immediately after that, there are people outside. 
outside of the room, outside, they were in this like two-story building, and outside, down on the floor, there were people from all of the nations of the surrounding neighboring countries, they're Israel, and they were hearing these guys speaking in languages of their own country. In this case, that's what that means. Speaking in other tongues means languages associated with. So that was from Cappadocia and from Galatia. And they were, they were speaking those languages. The Spirit enabled them. And what happened was, is immediately, these people were like, who are those guys? They're being crazy. They're drunk. And Peter, filled with the Spirit, it says, gets up and comes to the window and says, men of Israel, and then preaches the first gospel message and tells them about Jesus. And 3,000 people were saved that day. And what happened was because the power of the Holy Spirit came upon these men and empowered them for witness. You understand? That's what Jesus was saying. Now let's keep reading. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. We see how how this has been given actually after salvation. There's this other time where we see the Holy Spirit has come upon someone. We read this scripture, the first part of it, a week or so ago. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth... Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. So these are already Christians, already people who believe in Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now that's where we stopped last time. But then it says, then what baptism did you experience? Paul asked them and they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, which you clearly have already done. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And we already know that they do believe in Jesus because it said that they were believers, right? And then verse 5 says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. So again, we see this situation where the Holy Spirit comes upon, something else happens. What is going on here? Well, let's keep looking in Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and 17. The gift apparently just keeps on giving because it says this in verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, so again, they've already believed, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And then the last passage of scripture I want to read today is from 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 through 11. And this takes a shift. It's not the action of the receiving of the Spirit. It's like, what the heck is the purpose of it? And what does it produce in our lives outside of the, the fruit of the Spirit? That's, that's the byproduct of us living a holy life with the Holy Spirit. But what does it enable? And this is teaching. Okay, so again, we're seeing all throughout the New Testament that Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And then it's like, and then there's actual teaching about it. We cannot ignore this. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does all the work in all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. And he alone decides which gift each person should have. All right, so we have just kind of taken a a somewhat wide survey of what Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit. There are so many other passages of Scripture. And what we saw over and over and over and over again in those passages that we read was this, this sort of action that was taking place, right? It said, they were filled, 
or the Holy Spirit came upon them, or they received, right? There was this, there was a transaction that took place in every one of those passages of scripture. And then we see in 1 Corinthians 12 that we just saw a moment ago that said that when we have that spirit, that something begins to take place in us and that we begin to, to operate in a supernatural way. Something like a, a word of knowledge or, or discernment, these are things that no human being could possibly know on their own. I don't have the ability to look inside of one of you and tell you some deep, dark secret. I don't have the ability to do that. But the Spirit of God gives the ability, when it's his doing, to, to call something like that out and to, to edify that person or to call someone to Jesus. We see Jesus doing it. He did it with the woman at the well. When he was sitting down asking for a drink, and, and she says, says, he says, will you please pour me some water? And, and, and she says, well, sir, uh, I, you know, I, I, I can get this for you. And then, and then she says, I need to you know, go home to my husband. And, she, and he says to her, he says, you don't have a husband. The man you're living with isn't even your husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. Like, he, how would he know that? Jesus would have no way of knowing that except by the spirit, right? The divine nature within him. And 1 Corinthians 12 is telling us that as we are, as we have received the spirit, as the spirit comes upon us in those types of transactions, what we see the Bible teaching is that we then have the the ability, and it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit operating from within us, okay? And we see that here. And what I want to say to you is that that stuff sounds really weird to us. It sounds crazy. It sounds like I don't even want to know anything about it. We live in a society, we live in a time in our Western culture where we value knowledge, where we value process, where we value empirical evidence. We want to quantify everything. We want everything sterile in a box, right? That, that's who we are. We want to be able to see it, touch it with our senses, and we glorify that. We actually worship science. We worship it as though, as though it can answer every question in our lives. And anything that cannot be proven, we throw it out. But I believe, I believe with all my heart that there is more, that there is something else out there for us. That's why we're here, right? We are all here because we believe in a God who, who is greater than we could ever imagine. So what I would say to you is just follow along And let me tell you my story and what I believe God wants to say to you today. And I'm hoping that as I tell you my story, that maybe you'll be able to identify in some of these passages that we just read a moment ago, we'll maybe connect a little bit deeper. I grew up in in a pastor's home, in an Assemblies of God church. My dad has been a minister all my life. He's a godly man, a godly man. He He has made such a legacy in my life and left a legacy, and he's building it still. I've grown up in what would be considered to be a pretty much a traditional Pentecostal church. A church service would typically go like this. We would start service, and there would be some upbeat song with a drummer and a piano. And then we would sing a few worship songs, and it would be exciting. And then at the end of the worship, there would be this extended prayer moment where, um, you know, someone in the crowd generally would stand up, or if they were already standing, they would begin uttering out what appeared to be uh, what was called speaking in tongues, right? People would just sort of babbling, what, uh, just un- unintelligible words that it would seem like. And then what would happen is, is that after that person was done, there would be an uncomfortable silence for about 30 seconds, until this one lady, who was the, seemed to be the same lady every single week, would stand up or would you know, be standing and would say, Yay, the Lord has spoken and has says this and whatever, okay? I mean, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced that directly. You have seen it in operation. Now, if that's what God's word says, fine, okay? Because we see that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, not the passage we read today, but we see that, that, that it does give a space for if, if, if speaking in tongues takes place in a oration sort of a um, like public kind of a display, like if it's a message for the, for the group, then there must be an interpretation. So, okay, fine. I knew that. I was taught that, right? The problem that I had was that as I grew up and as I began to see this happen week after week after week, what was happening was that the same lady who would give the message in tongues and then the same person over here who was giving this interpretation, were both of them were on the board of my dad's church. And I would see them 
afterwards, I would see after a board meeting, my dad would come home and he would have tears in his eyes. Or I would see meetings after church where they would be yelling at him in the corner for something. I don't know. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't quite understand it. But what translated in my brain, in my mind was, these people have anger in their heart. They are treating someone maliciously. They're, they're not acting in a godly way. Okay? And as I grew up and began to understand the theology of sanctification of the other side of the Holy Spirit, which is to make us like Jesus and that we should be exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit, I was not seeing love. I was not seeing joy because these people were generally miserable all the time. I was, seeing, I was not seeing patience or peace or kindness or goodness or gentleness. You see what I'm saying here? And what happened was I began to get this dissonance in my heart where I began to look at the Holy Spirit and I say, you know what, I see what the Bible says, but honestly, I have not seen it practiced. All I see is people who say they're spirit-filled, people who say they're operating under the Holy Spirit, and then I see them act contrary to it later on. And I believe that many of you have that same experience in this room, or that you have seen that, or that you have heard that, or you have come with a friend who, or, or, or connected with a friend who feels that way. And so, my parents, though, you know... Th- my parents were the, were, are the epitome of God-fearing people. I have never seen them act like that. So I thank God that, that there, was always, there was always at least a side that I could at least hold to. But, but I'll be honest, for most of my childhood and most of my adult life, the Holy Spirit has been something that's kind of just been like, yeah, I know that it has the power and that it, that it reconciles me to God and connects me to him, but that's about as far as I go, okay? My parents, though, sent me to church camp to a Bible camp during the summertime when I was a teenager. Uh, again, it was an Assemblies of God uh, organization camp kind of thing, and we were there. It was a wonderful time. had a lot of fun on one of the nights. They, uh, they had did an altar call at the end of the, one of the services where they, they had taught about Jesus. They had taught about the Holy Spirit. And the Assemblies of God believes in the Holy Spirit. They believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They believe that, that, that they're, like we see in these other passages of this, this second in filling experience that empowers you for something, for a greater life and ministry and, and just in your own Christian life. And so they wanted everyone to receive that because why wouldn't you? If that's true, who would not want that? Because it gives you the ability to live the full life, okay? So I wanted that. I, 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 I at least want to see. I want to at least see that it can be real. So I went up front and I I, 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 you know, was praying. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, they're encouraging people to begin speaking in tongues. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I, I don't, like, you know. And because so many of them have come from church backgrounds and they've seen it, they kind of just mimic each other, right? I mean, again, another experience you probably have seen in your own life. You know, it's, I, okay. So, you know, I was trying it. But I, as an analytical person, as a person who struggles with feeling like if I'm going to do something because someone else did it, or if, it, if, if there's any inkling that it was just me, then I struggle with that. So I didn't do it. But I still wanted God. I remember standing there going, God, I want everything you have for me, but I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to fake it. And I remember standing there just being like, God, nothing's happening. I feel like nothing's happening. I'm, I'm welcoming you. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, my heart is open to you. But there was just nothing happening. And, and, then, and then and all of a sudden, I just started to feel like, I don't know how else to explain it. I felt like I was being filled with like a warm liquid. I don't know. Like, and there, I want to tell you, I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't speak in tongues at that moment. But I, I began to feel like bubbly, like tingly inside. There was something that happened to me. There was a, there was a, a supernatural thing that was happening to me in that moment. I, I, I began to feel a presence that was greater than any that I'd ever felt when, as a Christian. And I had been a Christian for a few years at that time. But I left that place knowing that I had experienced God in a powerful way. And I believed from that day on that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because after that time, I really began to hear the, word of the Spirit of God speaking to me and, and guidance in my life much more clearly. I began to, to hear God, not audibly necessarily, but just feel a prompting to, to do something or to, to stay away from something. Or There was an amplified version, if you will, like, like as if I was on like, like you know, a fourth of a cup and now I was at three-fourths of a cup. You just, you just, there's a weight to it, a heaviness. Does that make sense, right? But I went to Bible college. Kept, before I went to Bible college, between that camp and most of high school, I kept seeing all the same stuff at my dad's church. And that, 
kind of was just reinforced. It's like, okay, I know God did something to me, but it, I'm not speaking in tongues like these guys are. And so I just began to kind of allow the Holy Spirit in, in, that, in the forefront place, which is the point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to take a back, the back seat. I put her on a shelf and said, I know you're there, and you work in my life, and I've seen you do these things, but I'm, I just don't know what to do with it, so I'm going to kind of put it up on the shelf. So fast forward, I go to college, and it's a Bible college, an Assemblies of God Bible College. And again, they're teaching the theology in addition to the rest of the theology. I want you to make, uh, make sure you understand that there is a full gospel theology taught, okay? But one of the things that they emphasize is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They believe in that with all their hearts, that it is the thing that empowers a Christian for, for life and ministry and to live a full Christian life. And so they teach that. But again, what did I see? Almost all the time, people speaking in tongues, and then I would see not even interpretations anymore because that kind of went out of style apparently. And, and so I would see them doing this, and then I would see people maybe praying for the sick, but it never seemed like anything dramatic was happening. It always just, it just... It was like, it seemed like the Holy Spirit had relegated himself, in my, my estimation, that the Holy Spirit had just relegated himself to no longer be a, a powerhouse of things, but instead he was like, you know what, I'm cool with just kind of being like a friendly little angel on your shoulder. Like that's what it seemed like because I didn't see it anywhere else operating otherwise. So again, I studying to learn how to be a pastor, how to lead, how to preach, how to teach, how to help people grow in their faith, and yet the Holy Spirit stays back here on this shelf kind of gathering dust and then I get my first job at uh, Vineyard Church in Cincinnati Ohio and I am so thankful for that season of my life because because God didn't stop with me this is what I love about about God this is what I love about Jesus is that he is always trying to pull us to a deeper place he's always trying to grab us and say I have more for you how many of you are thankful that God loves us and wants more for us? So I get there, and the Vineyard Church is a little bit different. It's, it's a charismatic Pentecostal church, but they believe in a more reality sort of based version of how you live out power in the Holy Spirit. So they would have these, uh, these uh, prayer nights every uh, like once a month on Wednesdays where people would come up, and they believed that there were individuals who heard from God in a prophetic way, like God would speak and they have a message for someone. And they would come up, and, and God would use these people at the front of the, of the stage, just regular people. They weren't pastors. They were, most of them were just regular people who over a period of time had begun to apparently develop this ability to, through the Spirit, to, to encourage people with words of knowledge and, and things. And and then they also believe in, in the power of healing, the divine nature of healing, and that it's not just an Old Testament or even a New Testament thing, but it is for today. And I began to see, God began to bring me on this journey that even though the Vineyard Church, I don't think I ever heard anyone speak in tongues there, and, um, but I saw most on display people dramatically hear. Many of you have heard me tell the story of the girl that I saw literally have her ears opened up at a service. You've heard that that was at this church. There was a guy who came in and prayed for her. You cannot fake that. <laughs> you just can't. And uh, I've seen, I've had words of knowledge given to me by people there, specific details that no one else would know, and then that proves that the message is real, and then they speak about whatever God would say to me. And some of the things that I received there were the most powerful messages I've received in my life. But I did not immediately fall to the ground. I did not open my mouth and immediately begin orating, you know, all sorts of angelic voices and languages and things like that. God began to pull me and I began to say, okay, I'm seeing it, seeing some things that I see the Bible talk about, but I'm seeing them in a real place, in a world that looks normal. I know that person. They're nice. They're kind. They love people. They exhibit the fruits of the Spirit and now I couldn't no longer, I could no longer just sit here with the Holy Spirit on the shelf. I could no longer remember only the people in my dad's church. I could no longer have that image be the only image I thought of when I thought of the Holy Spirit. Now I had this other image of what appeared to be healthy and right and safe and appropriately used according to what Scripture appears to be teaching. And so 
It wasn't like all of a sudden I just decided to just become this, you know, fiery Holy Spirit guy, and I don't even know if I'm really fully there in that space. What I would say to you, though, is that I began down a journey because God did something in my life. He did something in my presence that I could not explain otherwise, and it did match up with what I saw in Scripture. And so, over the last, gosh, it was five years since I left that church, that I was just in this journey of learning who God is. And we ended up moving to Pittsburgh in 2009 and helping to start a, uh, a church in the South side called Lifestone Church. Pastor Jack Thomas is an incredible pastor. And uh, they were much more, much more in your face when it comes to the Holy Spirit and, and the supernatural. But you would never know it on a Sunday morning because they want people to walk in their own journey. They want people to, to, to not, to not, they know that people come with all sorts of backgrounds and they want to help people along in the journey a step at a time. And I love that. But God began to challenge me and said, Jared, you see what Pastor Jack does. You see how he has words of knowledge that he, when he, the way he preaches and sometimes he says something that are very just it just comes to him. And then later on, you've seen the evidence of that, that that person in the crowd will come to him afterwards and say, how did you know that? And I, I was just, just saying what I felt like God wanted me to say. These things began popping up and I would see them happen, but they were from normal people, people who, who were godly, healthy people. And over the last couple of years, God's begin to, begun to work in my heart and said, Jared, are you going to continue to ignore what my scriptures teach? And then at the same time, I found myself, if I could be honest with you, I found myself as a Christian, as a, just a normal guy like you, getting frustrated with my faith, feeling like my faith sometimes wasn't enough. I remember feeling like, God, I see your words, and I see people who seem to be on fire for you and who are doing great ministry and people who are excited about their faith, and, and they're, 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 they're just... They just seem to have something. And, and I look at your scriptures and I'm like, why is it that every Christian church in America appears to be like, 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 like dull? It doesn't seem to be filled with what I see in the book of Acts. And I was getting frustrated. I was getting, getting disappointed. And there, was, there would be situations coming up in my life. There would, be, there would be situations in the early days of our church that I just didn't have the, the fuel. I didn't have the, the, the energy or the, the power or the right tools to be able to fix those things because I was missing what I believe is a part of scripture that teaches that we need it because the Bible over and over again says we cannot do this on our own power. We must use the spirit of God to break through circumstances. And then, and yet what I say is, okay, God, I know your spirit's living inside of me. Do what you want to do. And then these things wouldn't happen. There were no dramatic, powerful moments. There were no situations that happened. There were no, like, there was no dramatic, like, people being de- broken of, and delivered of sin and, and of, of, of addiction. That stuff wasn't happening. And I now know, and I believe with everything in me, because of what I have seen, what God has, has brought me in this path and this journey, is I have read God's word Every time something incredibly dramatic that has taken place in Scripture, it is because the Spirit of God was present in that place. It was always in a place of where it was never one guy. It was never just a dude. It was always the power of God. And I began to say, God, if, I, if, you, don't, if you don't give that anymore, then I think I might just be done. I remember feeling that way. I remember feeling like, like I just... What's the point? What's the point? If we're not going to be able to, to be fired up in our spirit to reach people who need Jesus. And I would have conversations with people about Jesus and they would have no interest. And I would get frustrated. Why? Because I'm doing it on my own. Because I was trying to convince people to like Jesus. I was trying to, to do all sorts of things. I tried to intellectually reason with people. I'd try to give them a cup of coffee. I would try to serve them at an egg hunt. We would try to do all these things, and people don't care because they are happy doing what they're doing. And then I see other people who are winning people to Jesus constantly. People who I go, oh, my gosh, I'm way smarter than that guy. (laughs) Somehow, they're doing it because they rely on the Holy Spirit. This is a journey that I'm on personally, personally. 
I realize that some of you in this room are probably feeling rather uncomfortable right now. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I want you to open your heart to at least consider what God's word says. I am not here to force anyone into anything. What I have found over the last two years, I began saying, God, I see that your word is true. I know your word is true. All the evidence that I see, just the flat-out face value of what I look in the scripture is every time I see a disciple who has been filled with the Holy Spirit, they, 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 they become like a wrecking ball. They change everything around them. Their life is changed. They can't stop telling people about Jesus. Their lives are freed. They're excited. They're passionate. They don't get hung up in all the hang-ups of our lives and our society. And I'm like, I want that. I want that kind of Christianity. I, I did not sign up to follow you. Well, first of all, I signed up because he, he, he healed me in a supernatural way, by the way, in my spirit and my soul. But I had lived for too long with this knowledge of Jesus, with the knowledge of the scriptures, with the practical, you know, steps from books that I read and but at the end of the day, I still feel half full. I think there's some of you in the room who feel the same way. If you're honest with yourself, you'd say, you know what, this faith thing, I think I struggle so much with my faith is because, because it's, if you're honest, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough by itself. And so I've been on this journey. I've been trying to seek out people who I know are normal, God-loving, full of the fruit of the Spirit kind of men. And I say, help me to understand this. I have never seen a practical, real-world approach to a church that believes in that, that the Holy Spirit still fills people, that he still operates supernaturally, that the things that we see in the book of Acts still happen. I have never seen it practically displayed. And then I began trying to talk to people who I saw who were living that kind of lifestyle, and it's incredible. God has not used me yet to raise the dead. God has not used me yet to, to uh, speak to, to thousands. I have not had, my shadow has not healed anyone. You know, all these types of things that we see. But I'll tell you something that happened to me. It changed me. And we'll kind of finish here today. Is that when I said, I'm either going to believe that my theology of what God, the God's word teaches, that the theology is true, I have to begin trying to behave and, and, and connect my lifestyle to it. If I believe that God, in fact, wants this for our lives, then I have to begin putting steps, and I have to begin walking that out. I have to begin by welcoming. I have to say, I want this. I have to seek after that. You know, I have to seek after his, his power, his ability. I have to welcome what I see them welcoming. Or I make a choice and I say, I don't believe it. I don't think that's what it says. And then I push that away. But then I have to be happy with what I have, what I have left in my faith. And I just have to be honest and tell you that I just wasn't happy. I, wasn't, I just wasn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like I was a liar. I felt like I was a fraud, like... Not that I wasn't preaching the gospel because the name of Jesus is, is the most beautiful name. But I couldn't stand up here or I couldn't, I couldn't tell someone in the audience or even on the side of the street somewhere. I couldn't, I couldn't tell them that they wanted what I had because I wasn't even sure if I really wanted it myself because I was, you just get to a place where you feel there's got to be more. And if there's not, then maybe I'll go find an easier religion. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the, maybe I hope I'm not freaking you guys out here, but it's just the journey I've been on. How do we tie all this together today? I obviously cannot teach about this full subject in 30 minutes. It's just not possible. There's so much more. And we'll talk more next week about living a life in the spirit. What does that look like? Because I recognize when I say the words baptism in the Holy Spirit, the first thing people think of is someone babbling on the floor in tongues. That's not what I'm talking about. So I know that. So I have to like take care and time to make sure that we talk, right? But here's what I would say. When we look at scripture and then my story that I believe God is, 
speaking here. This is what I believe. Big idea today. God is inviting us to experience him in ways that are outside of ourselves to reach those inside the world. All of these supernatural things are beyond us, beyond our ability. They're not in us. We have no capability of doing any of this ourselves. And what I see in scripture is, again, it's the pattern of Jesus is inviting, come with me, come with me, receive this thing. I have a gift for you. I love you. I want to reach the world. I want them to know what you have been given. And so we see all of that. And I believe that what we see in Acts and throughout scripture is that the Holy Spirit has has been sent to fuel our engines, that he has been sent to give us the, the byproduct of living a life in the spirit is the fruit of the spirit. And that's how you test. If you look at someone and and they're giving you a word or something and you see that their life is filthy and they're messed up, then you probably don't want to listen to that guy, you know? But he's inviting us to come deeper to a place with him where we can experience more. If you want your neighbor, you want your coworker, you want your husband or your wife or your kids to come to Jesus, if you want your situations in life to be whole and healthy, if you want to have purpose, It happens when the Spirit of God comes alive inside of you, like that chocolate milk we talked about, stirring it up. God is inviting us to experience him in ways that are outside of ourselves to reach those inside the world. And I think what happens is is we tend most of the time in our Western culture is to think that we're experiencing God in his fullness when we keep him in our brain. What I understand, what I can prove, what I can analyze, what I can think through, reason with, logically understand. But over, over, over and over again in Scripture, we see that God operates outside of logic, outside of reason, outside of linear things. That's what supernatural is. He's inviting us to experience him in ways outside of ourselves to reach those inside our world. So what are our next steps? How can we finish this today? And I would encourage you to come along on this journey. I am fully ready to have conversations with anybody who wants to talk to me this week. Let's get coffee. How can we experience this principle? What I would say to you is this. If our worship team could come forward and just, or if uh, Aaron, you want to come up and play here, just behind us. We're going to pray and then close. Open your heart to receive healing and new perspective. That's, That's the step I'm asking you to take today. Open your heart to receive healing and new perspective. Can you guys stand with me? Let's all stand up. God, it's what we're saying. It's God, I want to see your word the way you intended it. I want to push aside my bias. I want to push aside my background, my experiences, even my knowledge. Right now, I just want to read your word at face value. And I don't say that statement in a loaded way. I think that I think that there are people who believe all sorts of different things, and if they land on a certain space because of what God's Word teaches and they believe it differently than I do, then so be it. What I'm saying here, though, is that sometimes, as I think I've illustrated, is that God has changed my perspective over time. And I just want you to say, would you open your heart? If you want to experience this, some of you in the room are curious, too. If you want to experience the fullness of what God has, you want more, if you would say, I feel like, maybe identify with some of what you said, Jared, then the way that we can begin to experience this is an open heart to receive healing and new perspective. Things happen to you. Things happen to me. In churches, I've been abused by people in the church, not, not in any like, sexual way, but, but spiritually abused by people. I've seen that time and time again, and it needs healing. For a long time, I couldn't hear even the things that I'm saying to you today because, frankly, I wasn't ready. My heart was hurt. And I would say to you, open your heart to receive healing and ask God for the right perspective. Ask him for new perspective. How can you explore this more? I know some of you guys love to to dig in on your own. Write these down. In Luke chapter 24, 49, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 31, we see again the Holy Spirit. Acts 15, 7 to 9. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 31. And then just anywhere else, just do a Google search on the Holy Spirit and you'll see hundreds of scriptures about the Holy Spirit. But these are some main ones that I begin will begin to help you exploring this a little bit further. And I'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love to be with you, spend some time with you, pray with you. 
And finally, how can I express this? If you say, I want to begin to express this process. I want people to know Jesus. I want to experience the fullness of God. I want to experience what he can do in my life. Then I would say that you need to begin with speaking out a willingness to receive all that God has for you. It has to start from your heart. You have to want something. There has to be a hunger. There has to be a desire. Next week on Sunday, we're talking about living life in the spirit. What does it look like? How can we practically live life with the Holy Spirit? And then that following Tuesday is our sacred assembly where we will spend some time giving a little bit more, you know, teaching, a little bit more about this. And we want to give people opportunities to receive what God has for them. But it begins here. It begins here with a heart to say, God, I want what you have. I'm uncomfortable in my mind with some of this. I don't fully understand things. I'm not, maybe you're not even ready to say I'm going to put the whole wall down, but I would just say to you, open your door to your heart and say, I trust you, God, that you will take care of me. Just close your eyes with me. Jesus, you have come to give us life. And I believe with all my heart that in America, in the Western culture, we so often limit our understanding or even our limit your ability to do what you want in our lives because, because we stop just short of giving you full control of our lives. I'm opening my heart to you, God. I want everything you have. I want this church to have everything you want it to have because I want this city to know Jesus. I want the people in this neighborhood who are broken and hurting, people who are searching, I want them to know what I have experienced. And I pray now that every person in this room, God, that you would speak to them in the way that they need to hear it. The Holy Spirit, you would do your work This is not the message from a man. This is a message I believe is from you. I thank you how you've spoken through me today. I pray that you will reach each person individually in the way that they need to hear it. Show yourself as real. Show yourself as true. Give them insight into your scripture, into your words. Help us to have an openness to you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.